Welcome to Healthcare Hacks and Connections Podcast. Here you will learn all things podcasting, acquire amazing tips and tricks required to transform your podcast into an essential tool to grow your business. On this show, we will bring in expert guests from across the healthcare spectrum. They will share their personal stories, discuss their struggles, and give real examples of how a podcast helped to grow their business. Now let's head into this week's episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a special guest with us. We have Courtney Johnson. She is a registered dietitian who uses intuitive eating to help her clients start meeting their body's unique needs by relearning hunger and fullness cues, cultivating body respect, finding exercise they enjoy, and eating foods that truly satisfy them. Thanks, Courtney, for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So if you could just tell the listeners just a little bit more about you and exactly what you do. Yeah. So to start, I'm from Minnesota. I am a registered (laughs) dietitian. I've been an RD for a little over two years. I started my career in clinical and was furloughed with COVID. So always like had the idea of having a business in the back of my mind. Didn't know what I wanted that to look like or when I wanted to start that. And then when I was furloughed, I suddenly had all this time and I was like, okay, now's the best time to do it. I'm never going to have this much time. So I just dug into it and kind of figured out what I wanted to do. Hired coaches to help me just threw myself into this process and I've loved every minute of it, the good, the bad, the ugly. I love being an entrepreneur and decided to embrace intuitive eating and to really form a practice that helps my clients move into the intuitive eating mindset. And if you'd like, I can explain a little bit about that now. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. All right. So intuitive eating was started back in 95. Two dietitians worked in a weight loss clinic and kept seeing these clients who were doing everything quote unquote right, coming back with weight gain. And they were like, what's going on? Like there has to be something internally that's happening. And so they did a bunch of research, read books, did all that they had to do, wrote the first book of intuitive eating. And it's now grown. And it's the fourth edition of the book just came out last summer. And intuitive eating is growing too. There are over 125 studies to date on its benefits and looking at its efficacy with different health conditions. And in short, it's a framework with 10 principles to guide someone from using more of the external cues like time of day or number of calories, type of food to decide like when and what to eat and then moving more towards using their own unique needs. So like you had mentioned in the beginning, I help my clients relearn their hunger and fullness cues. I help them find food that they actually enjoy that some diets say you have to eat this or you have to eat that and they hate it. So I'm saying like, let's include fruits and veggies and whole grains and all this stuff, but like what do you actually like? What are you going to eat that you enjoy? So trying to find that for them, also helping them cultivate body respect because our society just teaches us to hate our bodies and always be trying to fix them. And they're amazing and they do all these things for us. So let's Mm -hmm. try to cultivate some appreciation for them. Mm -hmm. And then also finding exercise that's enjoyable and just trying to approach health from like a, a bigger picture than just the number on the scale and focuses on behavior change. And that's really been shown to help improve health as well. Not just focusing on that number, because that's kind of like a bandaid. Mm-hmm. So if we can actually incorporate behavior change into health improvement, that's where we can see some lasting 
beneficial change. I mean, I love it. I've only recently discovered like the intuitive eating world yeah, um, just because of some RDs that I've been introduced to and yeah. I work with as well. And mm-hmm. it's just been amazing. Just like we are natural intuitive eaters. And even with the kids, like when they were hungry, you would just eat. Right. 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 But then yes. now we got to get out of this. Uh, like what the parents wise is like, you're going to sit there until you're done eating your vegetables mm-hmm. and all that, you know, that boring stuff. Right. I mean, it's not boring, but it, it's just like, it's such an old mindset that was set in back then. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And yeah. And food as a reward doesn't really work and we could get into all of that, but yes, most kids like lose their intuitive eater with age for a variety of reasons. So yeah, as we can get adults back into learning their intuitive eating cues, then their kids can continue to nurture those and we can avoid future generations losing their innate intuitive eater. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how uh, I think about it. Like uh, we're natural swimmers. Yeah. Like yeah. we're supposed, yeah. supposed to be able to just swim. Same mm-hmm. thing with intuitive eating. Right. Yes. Yep. I know that you use, you have a Facebook group and stuff like that. So how do you use that to help educate your clients and cultivate even people that aren't your clients? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a Facebook group. I go live in there every week. So pick some topic that people have been asking me about or that I've just heard a lot about recently and go live and answer people's questions about that topic. And then I also message my members. So try to get to know them, see where they're at, answer their questions about intuitive eating. If they are appropriate for what I think that I could help them with in my program, I will offer a call to them just to get to know them better and explain my services more. And then I also just ask random questions like what's a challenge that you're having with intuitive eating? Or if I were to answer one question for you about intuitive eating, what would it be? Mm -hmm. Just trying to really engage them and see where they're at and answer their questions and just be a valuable resource for them in their intuitive eating journey. Yeah, I think that's great. I think anyone that is trying to create a uh, Facebook group out there or even just a community, that's a good take-homes right there to take home from that. So I want to bring it to your TikTok. I know Mm -hmm. you, you say I'm not an expert or anything like that, things like that. But I did notice that even though you're not an expert, you weren't afraid to sell on your TikTok. Mm hmm. Right. Right. Talk about that. Like, Yeah. Just being okay with even selling in social media. How does that help you? How has it helped you? Has it actually led to sales? Because I know a lot of people in healthcare are afraid to sell because they feel like, oh, I don't want to be like a car salesman or a door-to-door salesman. Right. Yeah. I mean, at first it was kind of tough. And now I try to like sprinkle sales pitches within my social media, just that it's not like every post is a sales pitch, but just kind of a few times a week. So I think really mixing it up with just plain value posts, plain, like just giving information and then Mm -hmm. also putting sales in there. So kind of mixing it up so that it doesn't feel like you're being like salesy and sleazy. Mm -hmm. Also realizing that like as a healthcare professional, you're it. Like you have the degree, you have the science to back you up. If you don't sell, like some other quack is going to. So, so it's up to you to really kind of get out of that mindset that's holding you back and trusting that you have an awesome product or service and that you can help your ideal customer and 
getting the word out because you don't want them going to Joe Schmo down the street who took one course and now calls themselves a nutritionist or whatever. So just like, I think part of it is too just having confidence and just believing in yourself, believing in your product and knowing that you can service people and help them. And it's not salesy or sleazy. Like you're doing it because you want Mm -hmm. to help people. Yep. And you know what? I think, like you said, I want to highlight that confidence part just because that is so hard for people, but I think confidence comes with reps. Mm-hmm. So you're actually hurting yourself by not selling because then yeah. you're not going to grow. You're not going to fail and get that person that's going to be like, no, or they're going to be like, oh, well, maybe. And then you're navigating that seller's journey, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you have to put yourself out there and like anything else, like you'll make mistakes. There might be times where it's hard and challenging, but like, it's just part of the process. You just have to try to embrace it and learn from it and put a positive spin on it if you can. Mm -hmm. So just starting your business, right? It's a hold is now like a year almost. Yeah. It's about a year old. Yep. Well, first off, congrats. Thank you. And So how has that been starting a business during COVID? Yeah. I mean, it's been interesting, but it also showed me that like online is like having a totally virtual business is like totally doable um, because so many things have gone online and I have loved having a virtual business because one, the overhead expense really isn't there and it allows me to reach so many more people. Almost all of my clients are around the country. Like a lot of them are on the East coast and I'm in Minnesota. So like I would never have seen them in person. And then I think just being able to connect with other people who other dietitians, other healthcare practitioners, like it just also gives you so much more access to other professionals that I wouldn't ever have found out about or connected with Mm -hmm. if I had only been an in-person practice. So what would be, say there's someone that's listening to this podcast. I don't know when we're going to get out of this, but sooner or later we will. And they want to start a business. What is one tip that you would suggest to them? Hire a coach. Right. Yeah. I could not have done it without it. It took me a few tries to find the right coach for me, but I eventually did. And I actually have like three coaches who I consistently work with. Mm -hmm. One is just my intuitive eating coach. Another is my like blogging passive income coach, because that's another aspect I want to work on eventually. And then the other two are um, my like business, like sales, how Mm -hmm. to run a business coaches. So Javi and Marissa, they're actually who put me in touch with you. So oh, <laughs> yeah, oh that's awesome. University. Yeah. Our yeah. Business Accelerator, I guess, is their paid program. Yeah. And they're awesome. So yes, I really think that like, I feel like it comes down to time or money. And like, if you don't spend the money, you'll spend a lot of the time trying to figure it out yourself and you probably won't do it right. Or you can spend the money and which is scary. I totally understand. I'm a super cheap person, but like, then you get that time back and you have someone like holding your hand and letting you know how to do it right the first time. And that's super important. Yeah. I can't tell you how much a coach has helped me in my business Mm -hmm. just because they know like the mistakes that are going to come up and they're like, you're about to hit that mistake. They're like, Hey, pivot this way. Mm -hmm. And so then you don't hit that mistake and it's like, okay, guiding, guiding, guiding this way. And then it's like, okay, now let's add in this. Because Mm -hmm. now we're in this stage of the business. Right. right? And another thing that I think of, like as a healthcare practitioner, 
like we are helping our clients. So how can we like not invest in ourselves and like put the time in and look for guidance ourselves if we're going to be guiding our own clients? We need people to help us too. And so I just think it makes so much sense to just hire a coach and do it right from the beginning. Yeah, that's where that growth mindset comes in is to really want to push forward, right? I know that was really hard for me too. Like you said, the money Mm -hmm. aspect. Mm -hmm. But honestly, like that money is going to come back to you tenfold. I can promise you that. Yes. Right? How did you make the decision in going with your coaches? Mm -hmm. So I looked around, definitely. Talked to them like on Zoom beforehand. Mm -hmm. And I also... So my coach who I work with for my blogging coach actually introduced me to Javi and Marissa because she had worked with them before. So also kind of that warm referral. I had heard really good things about them. So just like asking around different Mm -hmm. Facebook groups, asking who do you recommend for this or who do you recommend for that? And just making sure that when you're talking to them, like you feel comfortable talking to them, you feel like they hear you, you mesh well, because there are so many coaches out there, but you have to find who's right for you. So also kind of going with your gut and like seeing like who is a good fit for you. Yeah. You know, one I think is also, you can relate it to like the patient experience, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about the pros and cons now of using your social media then. Yeah. So what do you think is the pros and cons of using social media? Yeah. So pros, I think you can reach a lot of people because um, like if someone reshares a post of yours or it's just a good post and the algorithm really likes it and a lot of people happen to see it, then that's a great way for people to find out about you and your business. Cons, I think you're not always like being able to connect with people as well as you would maybe in person, like face to face. Mm -hmm. Like if you went to like an in-person event or like spoke at an event in person, like that kind of thing. Um, I think maybe there's not that quite that level of connection, although video does do a good job of still giving people a sense of your personality and who you are. Mm -hmm. Also, you have to kind of master social media. Like you have to know what you're doing. You have to learn some of the tricks for it to make it really go in your favor. That Mm -hmm. means like posting at the right time of day, changing up your hashtags, looking at like what's trending in social media, like all Mm -hmm. of that kind of stuff. So there's also a learning curve. And if you're not really using it to your advantage, it's obviously not going to benefit you as much. When you were first starting out with all that, where did you start? like your frequency and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, so I started first on Instagram and cause I had had a hobby Instagram page for like a year um, when I first became a dietitian, just like debunking general nutrition myths and things like that. And so I kept that page and then just like made it a business page and changed the name and like cleaned up some of the posts that weren't really applicable anymore. Mm-hmm. And then made sure to show my face. That's super important on yes. social media to show your face. So people know who you are. Mm-hmm. It's also easier for them to engage with you and feel like you're a person. So made sure to do that. And then for a while I was just posting like random pictures of just me. And then when I started working with Javi and Marissa, Marissa walked me through the process and was like, Hey, so let's like include your face, but let's make posts that are shareable. Cause like, who's going to just share a picture of me. So like sharing something with like text on it too. So Canva really became my best friend. And I went and created a post in Canva and like got the paid version. So you can just take a picture of yourself and then crop out the background. So it's just you and Photoshop that into the picture. I mean, it's so cool what Canva can do. So again, I 
made posts that were shareable, switched them up, paid attention to what my audience liked, looked at the time of day that my audience was biggest on Instagram and made sure to post at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, I also started scheduling posts ahead of time using later on Instagram so that I wasn't every day, like trying to go in and post. Um, and then eventually Javi and Marissa talked to me about starting a Facebook group. So I did that. And then I funnel my Instagram followers into my group. So every time I get a follower, I reach out to them, say hi, invite them to my Facebook group. And most of them do have Facebook. So they do join. And then I also brought TikTok in there because that was really big last year. Uh, I feel like TikTok was like growing a lot last spring and summer. So I did a lot of videos and would post them on like Instagram just to like reuse my resources. Yeah, I have to admit that I haven't done that as much just because the video takes a long time for me. I'm kind of a perfectionist. So I'm like, Oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. And so it's like all these redos. So I'm like, Oh, I just need to like do something quicker. So I usually don't do videos, but I do have a whole list that I want to do. Do want to get back into TikTok? I've just taken a break because of the time that it was taking because of my own perfectionist mindset. Yeah. And I mean, that's okay. Right. And what you're doing is you're still showing up, which is showing up on Instagram. It'd be different if you just ghosted everybody you're just like all right i'm not gonna post for two months and then just come back and just start posting your audience is gonna be like well what the heck yeah exactly yes and then especially your group because probably the people in there they really appreciate you and they feel Mm -hmm. connected because you do go on their live and do trainings and things like that for them Right. Yeah. Um, it's definitely more of a community feel than Instagram or TikTok because it's mm-hmm. that group and some of the members engage with each other and get to know each other. And so it's like, they get to know each other. They get to know me. I get to know them. It's just like a big, like intertwining community and it's awesome. And mm-hmm. definitely some good leads there. And I have gotten clients from my group. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. I mean, yes. that's the name of the game there. Yep. Yep. The name of the game. there. And, and oh. you're good. Oh, one other thing, um, Javi told me, and I think he says this kind of in general, but you keep messaging people until they tell you no, <laughs> cause that used to be my thing. Like it would hold me back. Like, oh my gosh, I reached out to this person and they ghosted me. So I'm not going to reach out again. It's like, maybe they got busy. Maybe they just weren't in a talkative mood that day. Like who knows? Maybe they weren't in the right mindset then, but now it's been a month and they are, they want to talk to me. So I'm going to reach out and see how they're doing and what questions they have. So I think just not being our own like block is really important. Mm -hmm. And also making sure to, yeah, just try not to like self-sabotage because it's, it is easy to do, especially when you're doing something new, like in your own business and all just new stuff. And you're questioning what you're doing, right? Yeah. I think I've learned from hobby before that a no is not a no forever. Right. It's just a no at that moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And also what I've learned is just that when say you are trying to pick up a conversation that sort of dropped off, then what you want to do is Bring up, so, cause you're on social media, bring up a current event that you've seen them doing or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, okay, they're paying attention. They didn't just drop off the face of the earth just because I said no type of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it makes yeah, exactly. it, yeah. And then it makes it just more of a, a friend conversation instead of, I'm just trying to sell you. Right. Mm-hmm. which is what a lot of us exactly. don't want to do. And I don't yep. really encourage you to do that. I encourage you to really get to know mm-hmm. in, in the person. So then they're also knowing, liking, and trusting you in the end. 
Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. That's a big piece. Yeah. I was recently like cold called by someone in a totally different area, but it just, it's not an effective way to sell and it doesn't feel good and it doesn't feel authentic. So if you can take time to really get to know each other and get to know what they're struggling with and make it more like human to human interaction instead of just like a business call, then I think that's the way to go. Definitely. Definitely. Let's talk about your blogging. How's that going? Yeah. So blogging is another thing that I want to (laughs) do. I have taken a break from it because, so I am still working at the hospital and I'm working in my private practice. So I'm super busy. And so I've had to scale back on some things and blogging is one of them. I'm going to get back into it. I won't be in my clinical job forever. So when that is done or when it quiets down a little bit, I will get back into blogging. I've written a few so far and I really enjoy writing. So I do like blogging. It's very interesting, like the SEO and just all the back end stuff I knew nothing about. And so um, my blogging and like affiliate income coach has been super helpful and it's just like a whole nother world. And I think it's so cool how you can make so much money blogging. Like who knew? So I think it's just an awesome opportunity. I'm excited to get back to it. Definitely. You know what? And for the listeners that are listening out there, this is for podcasters usually. What I also want to say is that people that have blogs, reach out to these people and see if they will source your content. Mm -hmm. Because then that's another way for you to increase the SEO. But also I think you guys call it backlinking. Yeah. Yes. So that's a way to backlink. So say if you had a podcast and it's on that topic, you can message the blogger, whoever's writing and say, Hey, I think this would be uh, beneficial for your audience. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their response would be, but if they say like, well, I don't know. And you could give your numbers of your audience of your podcast and say, here's the amount of downloads they get per month or whatever, just so it entices them as well, because you don't want it to be just a one way street. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, there are people who only read blogs who don't listen to podcasts or who only listen to podcasts, don't read blogs or do both. It's like like in today's digital world, like I don't think you can ever like be too many places, you know, Mm -hmm. like the more places, the better, the more mediums, the better, like put yourself everywhere that you can. (laughs) Yeah. Build your famicity as one of my uh, coaches. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, we're towards the end of the interview guys. So, uh, you know what that means? That means we're busting out our pod decks. And so we got three questions here. First question is going to be, what do you consider your greatest achievement? I think it's starting a business. Let's Um, go. Yeah. I would have in the past probably said like, Oh, when I graduated college or when I got placed my internship, but it's like, building a business is like a whole new thing and something that not everyone does. And it's like, it takes guts and it's like super exciting and I love it. And it's something that I'm immensely proud of. So yeah, I think that's one of my greatest achievement. I mean, I agree with that because it's hard, right? No one says it's going to be easy. Mm -hmm. Then also it's so rewarding to know that you control your own time. Right. Right. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. So if you had to delete all but three apps from your smartphone, which one would you keep? Yeah, let's see. Well, I'd for sure keep Instagram because I feel like I'm on there all the time and Facebook because that's where I spend a lot of time too. Another one, I mean, not really fun, but I honestly feel like my banking app because I'm on there a lot too. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm like super, like I said, I'm cheap and like, I really keep track of my finances. So just having like quick access to that is super important. So I think I would keep my banking app too. Yeah. I mean, I would agree to that. I don't think you're cheap at all. I think you're just smart. Yeah. Yeah. There's some people who just spend, 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 and not know what the expenses are going out. And then they don't even know the revenue coming in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. (laughs) And then they're like, well, I thought I was making a profit and they're really not. They're just breaking even at the end of the day. And when it comes to taxes, cause we're in tax season people right yeah. now, people are like, well, I thought I was trying to get to zero. And it's like, you want to know the IRS just a, like a little bit. You don't yeah. always want to be at zero because then, oh man, I'm dealing with this now, but right. you go to apply for a house loan or something like that home loan. And because you have no profit, then they'll deny you because they're like, okay, well, your business is not even doing good. Even though say like you're making, we'll go like this. We'll give it an example. Sorry. I'm getting a little off topic just because of where I'm at, what I'm doing right now. But, uh, say you're making a hundred thousand a year, but you're using 99,000 of that. Then you're only profiting a thousand. Mm-hmm. Like all that, uh, that 99,000 is expense. Yeah, so people really don't, ahead. yeah, you're not coming ahead at all. Nope. And some people don't understand that sometimes, but I learned that from a book called Profit First. If you guys want to check that out, it's a great book. Okay. Yeah. I also love to read. So I will add that to my list. <laughs> it's a good one. All right. So next question. Last one is what's your favorite gadget? I think my phone. I don't use a ton of gadgets actually, but my phone is with me all the time and I feel like I'm on it all the time, even more than I used to (laughs) because of my business. So it's like my partner in crime, I guess. Yeah. Use it it a lot. I would agree. I would agree. I guess my gadget would be my laptop just because Mm. everything's on here. Yes. Slash my SSD. If if I didn't have that. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have a business. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Because everything's on that. Well, it's been great having you, Courtney, on the podcast. So if the listeners want to, they resonated with you a little bit and they're like, hey, I want to work with Courtney. How can they do that? Yeah. So I have a website, intuitivelynourishedrd.com. You can contact me there. My email is Courtney, so K-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y at intuitivelynourishedrd.com. And then Instagram is at intuitivelynourishedrd. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I hope the listeners, you guys got some good takeaways there. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe for more episodes, and we'll see you on the next one, guys. See ya. Bye. For more inspiring conversations like this one, I invite you to join my free Facebook group, Healthcare Hacks and Connections. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, review on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, be sure to follow our socials on Instagram, the podcast underscore doc and Nate Novice on Facebook. Thank you and have a great day.